Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas. Matthias, welcome back. Good to be back. Uh, it was nice to take a little uh, little hiatus. Actually, it's been like three weeks since, <laughs> since yeah, I've we- recorded a pod, but um, it's more than a little hiatus. But yeah, I'm definitely it, glad to be back, and uh, there's been a lot of nonsense out there in the world, yes. and I can't wait to talk about it. And, and we're two days off of uh, usual. This will be out on uh, on Friday the 28th. Usually we, we put our stuff out on Wednesdays, but we'll, we'll, we'll be back to normal time next week. Uh, if it's your first time listening to the show, we hope you enjoy. You can connect with us on social media at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow or subscribe to the show wherever you are listening to get easier and faster access to our new episodes. And if you're listening on iTunes, we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. Good discussions coming up today. The hot topic around the Titans over the last week or so as the Combine has got underway, gotten underway, uh, has been one Tom Brady. And we're going to get into that because we really haven't. I think we might have touched on it last week, Will, when it was you and me and uh, Nick Lombardi. But we haven't really had that discussion. You know, we haven't given it the time it needs. So we're going to have that discussion later on. But before we get to that, we were having a conversation before we started recording that I think is is an interesting one. And it's about, you know, we, we know the Titans have a lot of free agents coming up, but it's how do they pick and choose, and more importantly, what kind of moves can they make to 
I guess, build up the cap space they need to have some flexibility. Yeah, there are definitely uh, a lot of potential moves that they could make to free up that cap space uh, and, and bring back some of the players, h- highly sought free players that that they want to bring back. And it seems like they really do want to bring back Tannehill, Conklin, and Henry. But but it does prove to be very difficult um, given the current cap situation unless they, they cut bait with with a, a good amount of players and a good amount of players that you know have been produ- pro, uh, they've produced in the past, but as of late they really haven't haven't produced. They haven't even uh, been able to get on the field. Uh, and the main ones are Delaney Walker, Dion Lewis, and with those you, you're not even getting enough cap space. Then you you look at Ryan Suckup; he's probably done also. So those are three guys. I don't know how much cap space you get out of them. I'm not looking at at it right now, but it's somewhere like fifteen to eighteen million dollars, uh, and, and that's a ton. I mean, that allows you to to get that that contract for Henry or Conklin. Obviously, not for Tannehill because Tannehill is probably going to make somewhere around um, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty million dollars. Yeah, Cameron Wake also like probably needs to be in that group mm-hmm. too. It, the one thing that has driven me crazy is this weird kind of obsession with cutting Malcolm Butler. It's like people forget that he was good. Albert Breer is the most recent person to bring it up. He brought it up in the Monday morning quarterback, but it, it doesn't even save you money. Like you end up with $6 million in dead, dead cap next year. And you only free up seven and a half and you create another need at cornerback. You're already losing two of your top four guys. Like don't cut. A, it's not, you're not going to find a cheap cornerback in free agency. So, that of all the cuts people talk about making, there's the big four, which we just talked about, and then there's Malcolm Butler, which does not make any sense. So, yeah, I think it's if you're if you're just cutting emotion out of it and just saying where can they afford to cut players, and you know it won't really impact the team that much based on what we've seen recently. It's Cam Wake, Delaney Walker, Ryan Suckup, and Deion Lewis, and that that frees up about eighteen million dollars, and that should be enough to help you swing one more big contract whether they end up keeping Conklin or not I, I don't know I think they should but either way that those are the four moves that jump out as the most obvious so I want to talk about each of those four players you guys mentioned uh, individually and I want to start with suck up because I wrote an article I think it was earlier this week naming those four guys as, you know, hey, these are guys that they can move on from. And I got some comments from people saying, you know, it was more than just one person that said this. Well, Suckup was hurt last year, and in the past when he's been healthy, he's a good kicker. They need to give him a second chance. And I tried to sort of refute that in the article as as best I could. But my problem with that is, and, and you guys feel free to disagree, but the Titans kicking game wasn't just like a weakness last year. Like it was historically bad. We're talking like it wasn't no, no team has been as bad as at kicking the football as the Titans were last year since the player strike of the mid 1980s. And so when something is that bad, you have to overcorrect. And I don't think it falls within, you know, John Robinson's a very aggressive guy and I don't think it's within his modus operandi to just sit there and be like, well, maybe it'll work this year. Like, that's just not who he is. And quite frankly, I think that's a dumb move because if it doesn't work, then you're stuck in 
kicker purgatory again with the likes of Ryan Santoso and Greg Joseph. Yeah, I mean, the kicking game literally cost us games last year. It, 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 I mean, the, the Cairo Santos game was, was unbelievable. Uh, and we're lucky it didn't cost us more. We got lucky that Tannehill was so efficient in, in the red zone and just the Titans offense in general was so efficient in the red zone that we didn't have to rely on the kicking game, which was which was so, so bad. I, I mean, Suckup's only field goal make, I know he only uh, attempted six field goals uh, in the season. His only make came from 31 yards. He missed four from 40 to 49 and then one from 50 plus. Uh, he also missed an extra point. Something that he hit, he made, he missed a couple of extra points the year before that too. And listen, I love Suckup. He, he's given us a lot of, of great moments, and he's been one of the best kickers in the league for a while. But I don't know how you can just give him the benefit of the doubt to come back from this, and give him the benefit of the doubt to come back from this, and also pay him top end kicker money because four point one million dollars per year for a kicker or the cap hit. For a kicker, that's that's a good amount of money. Like you, you need to be sure that you're getting a top five, top seven season fr- from that position. And I don't think you could just say that you will. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he does for you. So you're assuming a guy who, like we said, had a historically bad year is going to get better, but it's not that he just had an off year. He had an injury, and then he came back from it. And, you know, initially he came back too soon for sure when he tried to start the season with it, got put on IR, got brought back, was obviously not the, you know, still not the same, still didn't have that quote-unquote pop. But, I mean, it it wasn't an accuracy issue. It's a leg strength issue. Like, he had 17% of his kickoffs, like, result in a touchback, which is terrible. I mean, I don't have the number for the leagues, like, average in front of me, but... Before that, he had 64%, then 58%, then 70%, then 65%. So he obviously lost leg strength. I don't know what sort of impact that has on a guy long term. I don't I don't know enough about kickers to tell you that. But I can tell you that he's going to be 34 this season. He had a terrible season last year. He's one for six, like we talked about. I I don't know that there's anything there to say, well, you know, he's earned another shot without say, without looking way too far in the past. And if you do that with a kicker and you do it with every position, it just it's not a good strategy. Sometimes it's better to just cut bait and say, OK, this is not where we need to spend our money. We have a kicker under contract already for half a million dollars. Let's try him, maybe spend a draft pick like the seventh round pick on Rodrigo Blankenship and then, you know, see where you go from there. But to just assume that Suckup can get back to anywhere close to where he used to be is a huge logical leap from what we've seen the last few times he's tried to kick the ball. I mean, look, if you run an NFL team and you were trying to live in a wave of nostalgia, you're doomed to fail, right? If, if you're just sitting there evaluating your talent based on the good old days or what they once were, you're certainly never going to win a Super Bowl. You're probably not going to have a winning season if that's your mindset. And and I think John Robinson has proven that that's not his mindset. No, that's not how we operate. He's been a very logical, commonsensical uh, GM ever since he's gotten here. And, you know, he seems to take emotion out of a lot of the decisions that he makes. Uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he continues that. 
uh, with suck up and also with a guy like Delaney Walker, who's been so crucial to this franchise for so long. Yeah. I'm glad you bring up Delaney because that's where I wanted to take this next. And I think that the, the nostalgia, you know, conversation naturally leads into a discussion on Walker. Um, you know, Delaney Walker is an all-time great for this organization, uh, both in the locker room and on the field. You know, he, he was just outstanding for the first few years of Marcus Mariota's career. Even before Mariota got there, he was an outstanding tight end in the you know Dowell Loggins, Ryan Fitzpatrick offense. He was great for Zach Mettenberger in those days. And, you know, you have to respect him for that, but look, it's been two years. He's played in, what did we decide, eight games over eight. the last two years? Yeah. Caught 21 balls, I think, 25 balls maybe, somewhere in that range. Look, either way, you know, Titans fans, you, you love Delaney Walker. I'm sure John Robinson loves Delaney Walker. But it's time to move on because you owe him $7 million nearly this year. Or you know you get almost seven million from cutting him. You owe him like eight or nine million dollars, but more than that, you've got two really exciting young tight ends in Johnu Smith and Anthony Ferkser, and they're cheap. And just let them go. And I know Mike Vrabel loves Johnu Smith. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier um, before we started recording, and you guys were like, yeah, Delaney Walker's probably getting cut for sure. And I, I don't know, kind of took me by surprise just because, uh, I, I don't know, he's been here for so long and he's been so good for us for so long and been such such a key locker room presence. But, yeah, given, given his age, given how many games he's missed, um, and given he hasn't really been productive when he has played, uh, especially last season, he, he kind of got he got outplayed by Johnu Ferkser. Even Michael Pruitt would um, look look kind of looked better than him for uh, in some of those games. And given given how much money you have to pay him for a guy that's 36 years old has gone through all these injuries, it just it doesn't make any sense uh, to keep him unless I mean unless there's so much leftover cap space or unless he takes a pay cut, which. I don't know if he will. I really don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know exactly what's going on in his mind. If he wants to stay here, if he wants to take a pay cut, stay here, or maybe go somewhere else uh, that will pay him. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's 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 a hard conversation to have because if there was any other set of circumstances, I would lean towards keeping him and letting him have one more shot at trying to rehab and get ready and really have one more kind of good year, but. You've got good tight ends behind him, like we've talked about. You need the money to sign other guys. He's already older, and he's dealing with injuries on a yearly basis now. I mean, it's just too many different factors. There's too many different pros to cutting him. And, you know, is he the most successful free agent the Titans have ever had? Probably, yeah. Like, is he a big reason why it was fun to watch the Titans when they were kind of going through their, you know, exotic smash mouth, like look at what we can do. He and DeMarco Murray really like doing cool things for the Titans after a five year period of nothing. Yeah, that was really fun. But if you look at the impact he's had over the last two years, it's negligible. And, you know, that's hard to say because 
when we've seen him out there, he's done pretty well, except for the past two or three games, because he did have two touchdowns against Cleveland in week one. So we've kind of seen what he might be able to be, but it's just too much money for a guy that you're not sure where he's going to be when the season starts. And, you know, you've got other needs you have to take care of. So you can't go into the season, especially after an AFC championship game run, where you didn't have him, you can't go into the next season with a question mark at that position and probably costing yourself the chance at upgrading somewhere else because you keep him. So I just, I don't see how they can do it. Is, is Pruitt under contract or is he a free agent? Good free question. agent, I believe. He's a free um, agent, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. So if we cut Walker, we for sure yeah, have Brookser for one year and then John Um, Man, that I mean, unless we bring Pruitt back, that's probably a position you're going to look at either mid-round to the draft or maybe with a free agent signing. Uh, well, in news that nobody really cares about, they do have Parker Hesse, I think is his name. Um, the guy who was... Ah, yes. <laughs> I have no idea. Iowa. Good he old Parker Iowa. Hesse. <laughs> well, him and Blossom Blo- Game. Yeah, Blossom Game could play tight end yeah. also. So, like, you've got a guy who can be your quote-unquote developmental tight end slash special team guy, and you also have Blossom Game, who they've used a lot, who's done really well. And you've already got those guys under contract. So you already do have, you know, three different tight ends and a fullback on your roster that you've seen for a year. So if they want to make a move, they can. But they do probably have enough guys for that position if they just want to kind of go with what they have. Mm-hmm. So, what about um, Cameron Wake? Well, I I think you, if I recall, have some kind of strong thoughts on this, or am I misremembering? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know that I have any strong thought. I think he definitely should be cut, but not not because I think he's bad or anything. Just because I think what he gives you, which is a the DPR, like a designated pass rusher kind of role where he's only supposed to come in on passing downs. Like we heard all the lies and the nonsense before the season where Vrabel was like, no, like I think he's going to be like an every down player. He's pretty good. But all that lie, we all knew that was nonsense. And, you know, no matter how many times you had to argue with people on Twitter, that's what it was always going to be. And that's what it was. And so that's his role. But Roberson was as productive as Wake was for an entire season, and he had two games to do it in. So to me, if if I'm rolling the dice, I'm rolling the dice on my really cheap undrafted free agent who's, you know, been explosive when we played him. He's on, you know, the upswing. He looks good. And he's also not dealing with an injury like Wake. And if you cut Wake, you end up getting, what is it, $5.5 million? So, like, the the deal Wake signed was always designed to give them the option to cut him after this year and definitely the option to cut him after the 2020 season if they wanted to. So we're kind of at that first benchmark, and I think he ended up with two and a half sacks. That's just not enough to make me keep a guy when I can have $5.5 million for cutting him. I just... I agree. I agree. And you make a lot of sense. And I do agree that he's too expensive. But, man, pass rush was so bad last year for a lot of games. 
uh, and it kind of ended up killing us at the end of the AFC Championship game. And if you cut him, I just I don't know. It's just such a thin group, at least from like from a high end talent perspective. And I know I know I know we need we need to sign an edge rusher or draft an edge rusher um, one way or another. But it just it just would give me a lot of pause to go into into free agency or into the draft with with the current stable of, of pass rushers that we have edge rushers. Okay, we're going to take a quick 30-second break to let you all hear a word from one of our sponsors. When we come back, Tom Brady and the Titans. Is it a thing? Is it a thing that would work? We will answer both of those questions in 30 seconds. Hey, everyone. Before we start the second half of the episode, I want to provide a quick fact correction for my Stop the Nonsense. The man selling the oil, and you'll understand what that means soon enough, was not actually selling the oil. He did give it away. I wanted to correct that fact, make sure we don't get sued for libel. However, the nonsense still stands, and you'll understand when we get there. Enjoy the rest of the episode. All right, guys. This is a discussion that, quite frankly, when we took our our two-week break, a, a couple weeks ago to kind of refuel I, I thought well you know we'll never have to have that conversation on the podcast then Jeff Darlington says well Tennessee's a bigger threat to get Brady than we kind of thought they were and then Darlington followed that up on Wednesday of this week by saying that uh that, that Brady is he would be shocked if Brady went back to the Patriots um Colin Cowherd says he's hearing Tennessee. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, sorry. You said Colin Cowherd like that was a real thing. <laughs> like he has any clue what Tennessee is going to do at all about anything. I don't know, man. Colin Cowherd, he's pretty connected. We should talk about him in our no nonsense. Don't worry. I will. Uh oh. Fight between Luke and Will. Over Colin <laughs> Cowherd. We we can we can discuss this later, but you know it is funny. I uh, I think that uh, Colin's daughter, Liv Cowherd, is a genius at social media. Do you ever look at like this stuff? It's insane. Like she'll tweet something, and there will be like like a hundred replies of just people like making provocative comments about her. Very like, and she like sells merchandise. Very interesting. I had no idea who she I, was until I like don't, five yeah, I days ago. I did not know he had a daughter, so I'd, I'm a bad person to ask about this. And I've I like seen her on social media, and then I think I asked you guys or I asked someone like a couple days ago, like, "Is this his daughter?" It and is. I was like, "Oh wow, whoa, okay." Do you do no, you know no. um, uh, uh, Joey Milanaro, the impressionist? Yes, his cowherd stuff is hysterical. Yes, yes, very he's great. No free shout-outs, but... This is not bussing with the boys. We do free <laughs> shout-outs. That is true. Free shout-outs to everybody. Um, <laughs> but back back to the topic at hand. Tom Brady to the Titans. For, before we get into schematic and would you like to see it and blah, 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 what's a percentage chance? I mean, we're not insiders on this, but do you think it's, there's actually a chance it's going to happen? Just as someone that knows this team? Absolutely. You don't think there's a chance? I do. I, I certainly think there's a chance. Yeah, I would. I mean, I, I don't know if I could put a percentage on it, but I'd say the chances are like almost at 50%. Because, I mean, given John Robinson's <laughs> comments 
about Tannehill. I, I know he has to be noncommittal, but they weren't exactly reassuring. Plus, everyone is kind of all the people that are connected. Jeff Darlington has always been a really good reporter, and he's always been very close um, to the Dolphins and also the Patriots. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a chance it it hurts me, but yeah, I do I do believe there's there's some uh, there's some fire behind this smoke. I mean, I think there's a chance I've seen the Titans screw up easier decisions. So, like, I, there's they certainly could. Like, it's very clear that Brady wants to be here. Um, I don't think it's clear whether the Titans are dying to have him or not. But, I mean, I think if the Titans made him an offer, especially if it was all things equal, that he would be a Tennessee Titan next year. Like, it, that feels like a given. And that was back to when Adam Schefter was talking about how you know, how close he and Vrabel were and all that kind of stuff. Like we've seen all that. So it, is there a chance? Yeah. Is there a good chance? I tend to think, no, I think maybe a 10% chance. And mm-hmm. that, that may be high that Brady ends up in Tennessee, just because I think other worst teams are going to pay him more money. And I think he wants money. And I think it just makes it so many things would have to happen. So you think he leaves Titans. for sure? You think he leaves? Yeah, for sure? I I, th- I think Brady being gone is like seventy five percent, and then of that seventy five percent, I think there's like a twenty percent chance inside of that that he ends up as a Titan, but a ten percent, which is not the exact math, but that's kind of how I'm reverse engineering that. Like I don't think because I, I think they missed uh, the Patriots not. I shouldn't say it like that. They're supposed to meet with Don Yee, Yee, which is uh, Brady's agent. They're supposed to meet with him this week, and and they've got representatives at the Combine, and he's at the Combine, and they have still not met. So it's not like either side is really pressing hard to make a deal happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, Rappaport did say today that as far as the Patriots concerned, Tom Brady is going to be their quarterback this year. Yeah, he did I mean, say that. He said that today. I, I, I not, he said I Tom, the Patriots' that, plans are for Tom Brady to be their quarterback this season. But then, which, which what sounds about to me like they've given him an offer and they're just not going to up it. Like they, there is just no like, offer. He all he said that in the same sentence. He said though there is no offer. Okay, so then he's lying. <laughs> but I mean, he, not. I mean, not it's really, Rappaport. But, Rappaport. Yeah, I mean, the only time he Rappaport says what the agents tell him to say. Yeah. I mean, I. I Rappaport's never wrong. He wasn't even wrong with the Antonio Brown stuff because he said Bills and Steelers have agreed to terms on an Antonio Brown trade. I, I will that, say that was true. If, if Rapp- yeah, if Rappaport came out and said that the Titans were signing Brady or they were interested in Brady, that would be the first time I believed any of this. I think Darlington is very close to Brady and has no real connections to the Titans organization. So any info you're getting from him is coming from Brady's camp. And that that's where a lot of this comes from. It's guys in Boston saying that the Titans should be connected. It's, you know, uh, uh, Albert Bre- guys like that are not don't have any sort of connection or have never had any sort of news to break out of Tennessee. So it feels very much like this is an agent creation, a Tom Brady creation to try to get other teams to up their offer while 
you know, kind of using the Titans as, oh, wouldn't it make sense if I went and played with one of my best friends? Like, oh, wouldn't doesn't that make sense? You should be scared and you should offer to pay me a couple million dollars more. That That's what it feels like to me. But I still, I mean, I, I get that. I certainly think that's a fair opinion. But at the same time, you have to admit that, like, there's certainly a chance that the, the rumors, quote-unquote, are true. I think that well, the Vrabel and Robinson connection just makes me think something something bad is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> something yeah, bad gonna, being I don't want the goat this. is going to come. I don't want yeah. this. Well, let, let's, ha- let's, let's have that, that conversation because I think it is a multifaceted conversation in terms of Brady v. Tannehill v. some kind of a magical third option at quarterback. Um, my thing with Brady is I don't think, you know, it's not the age. It's because Brady was fine toward the end of last year. He just didn't have very good weapons in New England. I don't think that his skill set is a fit for this offense. The Titans run a lot of deep crossing routes, a lot of plays from under center, and a lot of play actions that require the quarterback to get to the sideline, make throws on the run, not just throws on the run, downfield throws on the run. Um, you know, This is an offense that clearly was built around the skill sets of Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. And could Arthur Smith alter the system to fit Brady and his get-the-ball-out-quick shotgun kind of style sure um but that doesn't really fit with derrick henry and i don't know that it fits with the titans personnel because the titans don't really have the other than maybe adam humphreys the titans don't have those sort of work the middle quick hitch kind of guys they are, are big and heavy in some places and will stretch you down the field at other positions Nowhere is there the, I think, finesse. I hate that word because it's overused, but nowhere is the finesse that's required from a personnel standpoint to run a a, a system that would benefit Brady. Yeah, no, I think you would have to completely rehaul the system uh, just because he's so slow. Even like when he's running play action, he's just really, really slow and methodical. Uh, and it worked in the Patriots system, but I mean, we see Mariota and Tannehill have been the quarterbacks a couple of years. Well, Tannehill last year and Mariota before that, and we've needed their athleticism in order to make plays. And I'm just, what is Brady going to do? You know, when uh, when the pocket breaks down, because our pass blocking isn't isn't that great, uh, and he's had really amazing offensive lines for most of his career. Uh, and we saw this year when they didn't have a good offensive line, he was very inefficient, uh, and a lot of his flaws were exposed. So I don't, I, I just, I don't see it. I, I, I really don't see it. I don't want it to happen. I don't think it would be a good fit for our offense. I don't think, I don't think it would be a good step in the right direction for the franchise. Although they would certainly be more marketable and they'd be uh, the focus of national attention. But I don't, I just don't think it makes this team better at all. And when Brady comes here and he doesn't have a good year, it's going to be the Titans' fault, not Brady's mm-hmm. fault. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the problem. Is it's like, oh well, the Titans ruined you know Tom Brady and everything. Like that that's one storyline I don't want, but that's a very small part of this issue. Like you you've got to understand if Brady comes to Tennessee, it's not going to be him learning a new offense. It's going to be ten other guys learning a new offense. Like he will dictate what gets done. Like that's. 
just the rules. That's just what's going to happen. So as much as everybody's saying, like, you know, you can – it's not hard to add, like, a short passing game or, you know, make more emphasis on that. It's a little bit difficult when your entire offense, or at least the part of it that worked, is so outside zone, play action, bootleg. Like, that. those are where the chunk plays came from. It, it wasn't a lot of, like – we're going to dink and dunk our way across the field. It was like, no, like we're going to get a 15 or a 20 yard play at some point and it's going to work and it's going to set everything else up down the road. So I just, I, I don't think Derrick Henry's the kind of guy, if they bring him back, I don't think he's the kind of guy you can give 14 touches to consistently and he's going to be productive. Like I think he is for better or worse. And he said this himself, he plays better once he gets hit a bunch and once he gets going, like he, he said that in interviews that that's just, and that's what the tape says. That's what he is. So, you know, you're going to have Tom Brady throw in 20 to 25 times a game. And what happens when you lose back to back games? Is he going to go out and say like, I still believe in the system that Arthur Smith, a second-year play caller, is running. So I'm going to keep buying in, and I'm just going to keep throwing my 20 to 25 passes a game. And if we win, we win. And if we lose, that sucks. Like that—that's not. He's going to immediately demand that they shifted, letting him throw the ball more, or he's just going to audible to it at the line of scrimmage. And that's not even talking about his deteriorating skill set. That's just talking about what he brings to the team. And I, I don't think he's a good fit. I think that's pretty clear. I think this idea that Tom Brady is going to be such a good teacher to his backup quarterback is absolutely the most nonsense. overrated thing in football well, okay it's, it's nonsense with Tom Brady yeah specifically with Tom Brady who has historically been a guy who has never let anybody take first team reps it doesn't matter if it was Garoppolo he's ran a bunch of backups out of town man yeah, like he hates backups he is he is notorious for being a very bad leader to backups. Also, he, this just dispel once and for all this nonsense about quarterback mentorship. Who cares? Outside yeah. of some outliers like Josh McCown and Sam Darnold and Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, everyone acts like if I went and sat under the tutelage of Peyton Manning next year, uh, by the end of the year, I'd be 6'5 and throwing rockets because I learned from one of the best. That's not how this works. Like, gosh. Do you guys remember when, when the Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph and, like, they asked Big Ben what he thought about it? And he laughed. Yeah. Right? He's like, <laughs> why should I be happy about this? This guy might take my job. This is, this is terrible. Yeah, he was honest when every other quarterback's like, oh, it's great to have him in the locker room. You know, the idea that Brady is going to spare reps when he's got to basically teach an entire new team how to play his offense and that he's going to let somebody else learn and grow behind him is it truly the definition of nonsense. And it, people that keep throwing that around like it's a possibility only expose themselves as being fools because that's just not how this is going to go. And then he's going to leave town, and you're going to have Arthur Smith probably as still as the OC. You know, who knows? He might get a head coaching job. He might get fired. We, you know, we don't know how that'll go. It, it's really it's going to go one say, way or the give, other. Give my boy Arthur Smith some uh, some, some some chain or some lead. Yeah, I, like I mean, who knows? Like I, I don't know what'll happen. But I'm just saying, like 
we've seen Titans coordinators come and go quick over the last half decade. Well, because they so, all sucked other than Matt LaFleur. Who also sucked and got hired as a head coach. So Exactly. It really, so who knows, <laughs> but maybe Arthur Smith will get hired as the head coach of the team that signs Tannehill in this scenario. But either way, uh, the, the point of this whole thing is you're going to have to completely reteach this imaginary rookie you have behind Brady you know, when Brady <laughs> retires next year, you're going to have to reteach him a new offense. And now, even though he hasn't switched offensive coordinators, he's in his second offensive scheme. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It Will, doesn't work. It doesn't make the team better. Will, I want you to FaceTime you when the Titans draft Jordan Love in the first round. Ooh. I mean, don't I, put I, this out into the world. I was going to say, yeah, like, don't put Corey Davis out in the world, okay? This is my revenge. Uh, is is what wishing Jordan love upon the franchise? No, I'm kidding. I mean, I feel I, I do feel bad for my my Corey Davis rap. Like no, a lot he of doesn't. It's the Titans no, fault. he doesn't. I do yeah. think a lot of it is. He hates Corey Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my you know god! really funny to me. It just the 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 backup quarterback mentorship thing. Yeah. Why would Tom Brady give any amount of f's about a rookie? Here in Tennessee, where he's never been, why why would he care about the direction of this franchise? I really don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. He would care because everyone in the world is nice and operates by the golden rule. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 what I take uh, when I think about athletes and somebody trying to take their money. (laughs) Is they'll be kind about it. Oh my! But but I I think we all reach the consensus of like. Okay, from this perspective, do you think it would be fun to have Tom Brady with the Titans? No. Fun as in, like, to watch how I mean, it, it is Tom Brady. Like, 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 I, I do no, think, I mean, I think there's some credence. I think, to, I think just give me one second. There's Go some ahead. credence to this. Um, Chad Withrow, who hosts a, a radio show for 104.5 The Zone here in Nashville, tweeted out the other day. He said. I don't know that I agree with this, but I think it's a a fair point. He said, I think we're all overthinking this. It's Tom Brady. If you can get him, you get him. Just thoughts on that front. Because, I mean, he is right. Like, he's one of the best NFL players of all time who wasn't terrible last year. He was not good. It wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't good. But, like, yeah. but like people acting like he fell off the map and oh he's going to be you know 2017 Peyton Manning like that's also not correct. Well, the thing is, we can say yeah, it's Tom Brady, but how long can you say that for? He's 43 years old, and it seems like he's in a decline. If we're judging by last year and probably the year before that, he he wasn't that great. Uh, I know you. We can blame it on the weapons. Their weapons were were truly bad. But he's going to come here. Our weapons are good, but they're not exactly outstanding. And he's not coming with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, who have been two of the best coaches, period, uh, over the last decade plus. So I don't, I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm very skeptical if this were to happen about what Tom Brady would actually uh, bring bring to the offense. Yeah, I mean, this is the conversation we just had about Ryan Suckup and Delaney Walker. Like, you can't live in nostalgia and talk about, like, you know, it's Delaney Walker. 
you know, he had he had four straight years of 800 That's yards a good point, of receiving. Will. That's a really good like, point. I mean, it's all the same thing. The only problem is, is we've been jealous watching Tom Brady for years win championship rings, and it's not a player that we've watched. If Tom Brady was going to be Tom Brady, the Patriots would re-sign him, like, yeah. just like they have several other times. This is not the first time his contract has been, you know, expiring or set. You know, the, there is a reason why Bill Belichick, who's not going to bring on a you know a new project and spend ten more years coaching the Patriots, if there was a way that he thought that that guy was going to win him another Super Bowl, he would keep him. He has clearly chosen to go another direction, and he's right. Like, I mean, based off everything we saw in the last month of the season, and after they went ten and zero, when the defense started to not be you know as historic as it has been or as it was the first ten weeks, where they looked amazing and were outscoring everybody that was playing them, like he was a like one or two touchdown a game kind of guy. He never was you know I'm going to put the team on my back and score three. It, it, it was not anything like we, we've seen from Brady before, and that's not because they had an exceptional run game or anything like that. He just wasn't that guy. So, I mean, we saw how Mahomes exposed the Titans' defensive backs. Like, we saw how he did that. Tom Brady got to play Adoree Jackson in his first game back. Excuse Adore, as Brady referred to him. Oh, sorry. There you go. <laughs> Whatever. But he got to play a worse version of the Titans' defense, and he put up, what, 13 points? And through it was horrible. Six. He was throwing in the ball yeah. to the ground the entire yeah. game. Yeah, he was not. He was. He was not. And then good. they tried that little like end around thing with him. Yeah, it, he he was he was not good, and that was at home. Like it, it wasn't like he had to make a road trip or anything like that. Oh, I thought they you were talking about the game last year. Oh, I got no, confused. That, that was also bad. I'm talking about the playoffs. Yeah, well, uh, both it, bad. Which either way, yeah, either way, they're both not good. But at least the defense was good in 2008. They also lost to the Dolphins in Week 17. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I was going to say that. Is with a bye on the line and with Belichick truly knowing how important a bye is, especially for Tom Brady and the rest of those guys, they could not beat the Dolphins. And because Tom Brady, I believe, threw a pick six in that game too, it, it – He's See, just not the same guy. People just it, haven't watched. And like, this is why this is why I love Mike Vrabel. He was asked, what, "What's your relationship with Tom Brady?" And he said, "Undefeated." Which <laughs> I, I, like, I, I guess I don't know what that means. Like, I mean, I get that they were on like they were on that team together. Whatever. Like, no, 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 no. no. He, he like as in the Titans are undefeated against oh, Tom Brady. Okay, got you. Well, then that is funny. I thought it was because they were on the undefeated <laughs> no, sixteen no, no, and everything. No. Uh, okay, that is that is funny then. My bad. So consensus, bring them Tannehill, not Brady. I'm choosing Tannehill every time. Yeah, I mean, even I even if you're an anti-Tannehill guy, mobility and downfield accuracy is what does it for me. I just think it's a better scheme fit, and I don't think we're overthinking it. And I, 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 I just, I that's where I am, and I think that's where we all are. Yeah, and and, and like I, I, I know like we've always. Uh, or NFL circles have always loved these pocket passers that can do everything from the pocket. That's fine, but you have to create outside of structure, and Brady just can't do that anymore. Uh, and, and we see what Mahomes does for does for his team. We see what Russell Wilson does for his team. And Tannehill did that for the Titans when, when they needed him to do that. And, and it's a really key part 
of playing quarterback that I think kind of gets overlooked when, when we just assume that Tom Brady would come in and, and do everything just as good or, or better. Well, it's like I always say, everything in life has a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum is your you know, Kyler Murray, Marcus Mariota types. And then on the other end is like the Zach Mettenbergers of the world who are just sitting statues. You want someone in the middle of that, maybe toward the Mariota side of things. Mobile doesn't mean running. You can have a mobile quarterback that is not a running quarterback. And Brady, at this point of his career, Brady is a, is phenomenal with movement in the pocket. But in, if he's forced to go off script in the sense that he is flushed out of the pocket, there's not much use for him. Exactly. And what do you do? What do you do in three years? Like this is a move that's back to not the drawing gonna, board. Yeah, or and well, if, even better, what do you do in one year? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is that, but I didn't want people to like respond to this and comment and say like, well, you don't know, he might play. He said he wants to play till forty five. Okay, let's say he plays till forty five. Everyone says that, man, yeah, but it never exactly. happens. Yeah, exactly. But it's like if he, even if he did, like. What do you do then? Because he's not good enough to drag this team to a championship playing his way. He's not going to play the way uh, the the Titans coach it. The, there is no scenario where he comes to the Titans and they win a Super Bowl next year because of him. He will just be at at his absolute best and at Tannehill's absolute worst. He would be a slight improvement based off what we've seen the last eighteen games of these guys playing. So. You know, if they play, if that's how they play, it's a slight improvement, and it's you're losing your potential at a quarterback that you could have for the next six years. Like, I mean, Tannehill's what thirty one, or he'll be thirty one this year. Like, you've still got feasibly six years with Tannehill, where you know he may not be as athletic in you know year six of that new deal or whatever he gets done, but you at the very least have a chance to keep a guy from now until you know in perpetuity until something happens but with Brady you know that's a move where you're saying okay I think we can win a ring this year and the problem is that we didn't have that guy and I just don't think that's what this situation is with the Titans there's one more thing I want to talk about before we get to stop the nonsense and that is um the the quotes that are coming out of the combine really around the league, but particularly in the market that we cover, uh, from John Robinson and and Mike Vrabel. You know, it's kind of funny because the people who disagree with Vrabel or Robinson's comments are the ones saying, well, guys, I mean, what do you expect them to say? I mean, come on. It's all an agent ploy. And then the people who agree are like, oh, yeah, man, bring it on. Because apparently, like, Robinson was very committal to Derrick Henry and saying, we got to get him back. But when he was asked about Tannehill, it was, you know, well, we'll wait and see. And, oh, ho, ho, that's leverage. And, what like, I feel like trying to understand all of these points of what was the purpose of him saying that and, you know, it feels like doing algebra in my brain. And so my point is, don't listen to any of it. If you agree with them, block it out. If you disagree with them, block it out. It's meaningless. We're not going to sit here and try to pinpoint what kind of you know, negotiation strategy they're attempting. It's all meaningless anyway. Yeah, uh, 
I remember I tweeted, uh, someone tweeted out like a, a John Robertson quote about Tannehill. And from the no nonsense account, I tweeted, you know, it was just J Rob being non committal as usual. But it would have been nice if he just said he'll be back. Uh, but that original tweet uh, that I quote tweeted is gone. So it was probably taken out of context. So it's really, there's really no point in looking into any of these things. They say what they have to say. They say, especially John Robinson, he just says what he feels, man. He really doesn't overthink things. And his his comments usually aren't like double entendres or, or have to be taken taken exactly. in depth, really. And I, so, I, I hate asking Vrabel future tense questions. What do you plan <laughs> to do? Because, number one, he's going to BS you to death. But number two, like, honestly, though, what do you expect him to say? Like, he's not going to show his hand to a reporter. Right. But if I say, so you did do this, what was the rationale behind it? Or, you know, why did you make this decision? Or what was the thinking behind this? That's when you're going to get a real honest answer that you can take to the bank. But any time, whether it's combine or otherwise, that you're asking these people, especially with draft and free agent stuff, future tense questions... You can never take any of it for truth. Yeah, I mean that even even if you ask them the perfect question and you say, you know, why did y'all have four tight ends going in? You're still going to get a generic answer where it's like, well, we thought that roster gave us the best chance to win <laughs> because they don't want to give up any sort of competitive advantage. It's a very Belichick thing and. You know, for better or worse, I think we saw in Vrabel's first year that it was annoying and that he did some things that were taking it too far. I think going forward, he'll maybe ease up a little bit. But, you know, I think for the majority of his career, he's going to do what, you know, he, he's done, what he's learned, what he learned from Cower and all that. He's just going to be pretty matter-of-fact, pretty you know conceal any important information that might give away an advantage and then you're just going to have to try to find very small nuggets when you can are y'all ready for stop the nonsense i am yes who wants to go first our weekly segment where we look at nonsense around the sports world of the last week matthias since you were out last week we will we will give you the honors Let's go. Since it's the combine, you know, oh my god, it is. It's truly one of the worst times. <laughs> Just the worst times because the takes are bad. the The media speak is bad, and I just I, I can't. So uh, I'm going with Chris Sims on this one. Just because I, I always find these hilarious. He's, uh, By the way, like, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm about done no, with pro football talk and everyone associated with that they're organization. The they're the worst. <laughs> it's at like uh, it, it's actual fake news what they put out. I don't I don't believe anything they say. And Mike Florio in general is just wow. That guy has his and takes the, the are, ego have gotten really bad lately. They're terrible. They're terrible. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. But uh, anyway, Chris Sims, also a part of Pro Football Talk, uh, surprising, uh, was tweeting through the combine today and uh, tweeted tweet these two out. They were fantastic. Herbert is out here, out there putting on a throwing show. It's effortless and powerful. 
Yeah, and then another one. Justin Herbert is really impressive throwing. Throws perfect spirals every throw. Powerful and effortless. The same two words. <laughs> the same two adjectives. And I just saw that, and I just I couldn't help but laugh, man. I mean, he's out there throwing in shorts against no defense. Just him. Like if I could, if I would go out there, I would throw spirals, and it would be effortless and powerful. So I don't know, man. These things always always make me laugh. They're so so dumb. The fact that you can try to like magnify this performance with no defense. No pads, no game setting, and just out there throwing like you're in your backyard. It is it's so dumb. So I've, I've got mine. Mine is out, outside of the sports world this week. So I had heard of, from some people that I know, about a, a Bible, a particular Bible, copy of the Bible, in uh, Dalton, Georgia which I presume is a very small and very southern town. Um, And this particular Bible, uh, its owner claimed, was leaking oil. And so he set this Bible a few years ago that was supposedly leaking oil in a great big Tupperware container where he let the oil, massive air quotes, leak out. He would vial it up, give half the oil to local churches, and you guessed it, sell the rest um, because of this you know, oil-leaking miracle Bible. Everyone wants the miracle oil from the miracle Bible. When I, when I first heard about that, I'm like, there's just no way. Like, that doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. It sounds ridiculous. Um, but, I mean, people swore by the thing. So it, it kind of became a running joke with me and, and, and my friends about this, this Bible and come to find out, last Tuesday, a news organization, uh, the Chattanooga Times Free Press, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, got a tip from the manager of a Dalton, Georgia tractor supply company that the owner of this Bible was on a, I believe, uh, every other week basis going into that store and buying a giant container of oil like mineral oil and so um the the chattanooga times free press reporter ordered a vial of the miracle oil and a vial of the tractor supply oil sent it to like a forensic investigator and guess what it's the same thing (coughs) and so my nonsense is for my man who tried to make money off of his just soaking wet Bible that he put tractor supply oil on top of. The the messed up part of this is I told Luke in confidence that I bought some of that oil and he would come out. <laughs> Will's like, I anointed my son with that when he was born. Yeah, I'm like, he's, he's had a rash for a long time. Is that a, <laughs> should, I, should I be worried? Like, is that a holy rash? Um, that that is insane, and it makes me sad that that happened. But uh, speaking of people who make me sad, let's go back to Colin Cowherd, and I'll give my uh, stop. Oh, the don't be mean. No, I'm not. I'm not going to be mean. This is the. This is just something that like, it, it's not a big deal. 
It, it is just nonsensical. <laughs> it's what it's what he does. This is what makes him money. I, I, and I think I know what you're talking about. And if I if I'm right, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I added the the account for this one. I said uh, I'm not sure if Coward's eligible for this uh, because he's a basically a random nonsense generator. But and then I linked to a tweet where it's an eight minute video, but in quotes it says uh, Joe Burrow. Sorry, it's a seven minute video. Uh, the quote says. Joe Burrow is not a great prospect. He's a great story. It is remarkable to me when we dismiss stuff that matters. Arm, maturity, wonderlick, hand size. It all matters. So in this in this whole thing, he lays out his, you know, nonsense that he talks about and you know basically the same thing he praises Tom Brady for, he slams Joe Burrow for. All that's fine. Like people are gonna have their biases, you're gonna see what you're gonna see. But my issue is that one big part of this is how he's trying to explain how he always sees what in quarterbacks what the media doesn't tell anybody else. And so he said, I remember when Vince Young came out. He reminded me a lot of Tim Tebow. First of all. Yeah, the problem with that, which go ahead. I thought, I yeah, there, there is a generation between those. Yeah. Not really. But there's several <laughs> like years four, where four, Vince four, Young. Four years. <laughs> Yeah, Vince Young was already graduated <laughs> in the Titans while Tim Tebow was like a freshman at this. Like, they, they don't – not only did Tebow not precede uh, Vince Young, but I think they, like, may never have overlapped. You know, my, like comp, they, for, my comp for Russell Wilson when he came out of, uh, of Wisconsin was Kyler Murray. Yeah, I, I remember you saying that, and I was like, who's that? And you're like, oh, you'll see, uh, because you, like Colin Cowherd, must be a time traveler. So it's it's all just this like it's this weird thing he does and it's something that people do a lot where if you speak really confidently and you speak quickly, people won't notice you being wrong by the time you get to your next point and they will have forgotten about it and their mind yeah. will have already registered it as, oh, that was smart. He must have seen that guy before that. But Colin Cowherd just does this like, you know. He'll have him on the podcast, or he'll have him on, I guess it's a show or whatever, and he'll talk to him, and he'll say, you know, he was, I was really impressed with him. Also, he admitted he didn't know that he went to Ohio State, which, if you've seen any LSU game this year, you know that Joe Burrow came from Ohio State, because they say it 12 times in a game. It's like so, the whole, you know, Fitzy went to Harvard, uh, Chris it, Hogan played lacrosse kind of thing. It's not. I mean, it it is omnipresent. It is what they say when they're trying to fill time while they're looking up whoever the receiver like is, how many catches he has this year. Like they just bring it up. So it's so impossible to me to imagine that he's put all this time into really evaluating and analyzing Joe Burrow, and he doesn't know the thing that we've all heard most about him that's been told to us for two straight years, and he's. Uh, it's it's just. It is the epitome of nonsense to spend seven minutes talking about something you have no clue what you're discussing and then just to completely ignore replies to it. He does have a great delivery, though, you got to admit. He does. He could be right <laughs> now. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week and the week after to really get into free agency players that aren't currently on the Titans. We'll get into... Maybe some guys that they should go after, some positions of need that they have. So we'll get into those discussions over the next couple of weeks. We'll recap the Combine as well next week. 
Uh, so stay tuned. We're going to have the best free agency coverage uh, from any podcast in the market. I think we can guarantee that, right? Absolutely. Yep. So um, with that, for Matthias and Will, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.